0: During crisis and economic depression, small business owners often struggle with making sales and keeping the loyalty of their people because if you ain't selling, it's hard to pay the bills. On the Ethical Sales Podcast, you will learn new ways to selling ethically and communicating with your people to create more loyalty and getting out of the rut of stress and frustration. When there is plenty of sales, there should be plenty of profits to keep things flowing smoothly and everybody be happy. happy, happy. We are super stoked you are here with us today This is a project we've been working on for a little while Meaning to get this done for the past year And we're finally sitting down, taking the time and putting a podcast together We just want to take a little bit of time and introduce ourselves. My name is Elias Raber I am Matthias Raber And we are super honored that you're here with us today We're in the studio We're just going to talk a little bit about our past (laughs) Ooh, that's scary Yeah, let's keep it real we grew up in an Amish family. I don't know if we're the only Amish boys, even though we're not Amish anymore. I don't know if we're the only Amish boys on the, you know, if, you're, if you were Amish, you're you're always Amish. I don't know. That's kind of what I say. If you were there, I don't care if you're still or if you're not, uh, you know, you it's kind of in your blood. So I don't know if we're the only Amish boys doing a podcast or not. What do you think? I would probably say, yeah. All right. We'll take that. Being an entrepreneur, I see the traits when we were really young in just some of the things that we did. Like for instance, we loved to fish. We had this farm pond that was a couple acres, maybe two acre ponds. It was a little pond. And during the summer, it was like half the pond was covered in moss and it was bass lived in there. And we loved to go down there and and pop baits in there and and we catch big old bass. And I remember, you know, we didn't have a lot of money when I was 10 years old. I mean, we had to think out of the box. We had to like creative. Yeah. We had to be creative. And, and so we made our own lures. You remember this? Yep. I took a piece of pine board, I think, and just like whittled out a lure and put a lip in the lure and we made our own little palace and we got paint and we painted eyes on it and painted all kinds of colors. Mom never let us go down. Mom and dad never let us go. Dad was always on the, on the construction crew somewhere cause he ran a construction business. And so we asked mom that day. I remember we asked her if we can go to the pond cause we could never go to the pond without getting permission. And I'm just guessing we were 12 or 13 years old and mom said, yeah, you can go to the pond for a little bit. And so um, we did like we normally did, you know, got on our bicycles and pedaled down to the pond and we never parked. You remember this? We never parked our bicycles. Like we were always just full off speed while still going, and we'd roll. jump off while the bicycle's flying towards the pond and the bicycle would like, if you're a kid, you remember this, it would like just go by itself for about 50 feet and then it would flip over. And by the time the bicycle I'm gonna, stopped. I'm going I'm to go on a limb here and guess that you probably did that. And I probably, probably. laid mine on the side so it wouldn't like. Probably. That's why ruined. my stuff was always scratched and your stuff was nice and neat. Right. I probably had a bait in the pond before my bicycle stopped rolling. <laughs> I don't know. But I remember going down and literally within the first five minutes, you and I both caught big bass with our homemade lures. And we took pictures. Some, uh, I think my dad's driver had a camera and took pictures and, and on them old Polaroids. And the picture came out of the bottom of the camera. We'd take that picture around and we'd show people the picture of our big fish. And people ordered lures. Like they said, can you make us a lure like that? I still have some of those lures that we made in my garage hanging up on my fishing stuff but looking back you know those are the traits that i see in us that we were innovative we were creative we weren't scared to to do something like that and then go tell all kinds of people about it and get attention and so i see some of those traits in in us looking back i'm sure you guys as entrepreneurs looking back you see some things like that uh you see some traits in yourself like that i still see that trait in myself today i still love to go fishing yeah (laughs) i hear you right? That's why you have a business. You have the time freedom to go do the things that you enjoy doing. And yep. I hope that your business, if you're listening in, I hope that your business gives you the time freedom to do the things that you love to do um, as well. So growing up, I mean, we grew up in an Amish family. My parents left the Amish when I was, we were what, 18 or 19. So for those of you wondering, we are twins and I'm the better looking one. And I married the, we married sisters and I married the uh, prettier one of the two. I, I have my opinions on that, but I'm going to I'm gonna refrain from speaking, given my attention. Yeah, your opinions probably wouldn't be proper to share across the podcast. Probably not. Yeah, I've heard them before. Let's go about, fast forward about 10 years from that fishing story. I think we were 22 years old, and uh, we took the plunge like a lot of you guys did. Got tired of the nine to five. Even though we were making decent money working for our employers, we just got tired of that grind. And against the wishes of... Some of the people around us, because they thought, man, 2009 is a bad time to start a business. We went to the bank. The bank said it's a bad time to start a banking account, probably a bad time to start a roofing business. We said, you know what? Let's start it anyway. So we kind of jumped ship. I'm not saying it was the best time to do it, but we never looked back. Well, you know, as an entrepreneur or entrepreneur-minded person, you know, you look back. On those decisions, and I think one thing that really helped us make that decision is you know, even though we were both making okay money for the time compared to maybe uh, what some people were doing, I don't remember exactly where it was, but somewhere around twenty bucks an hour, or I don't know forty forty five thousand dollars a year, give or take, and I think a lot of people ten years later still find themselves in that same position. but we found ourselves there, both building homes, working for a house you know home builder, a friend of ours that had been involved in the commercial roofing industry. Was willing to kind of share some of his ideas with us and kind of help us and, and get us trained up. And some of the numbers that he was sharing with us and some of the the money that we've seen him making, we realized that even if we fail at a large degree, we're still going to make forty five thousand dollars, and that was going to equal up to what we were already making. And mm-hmm. so we didn't think we could lose at it, and it was the best decision we've ever made financially. Right. We just wanted more time freedom. We wanted more time to go fishing. I remember. I remember. You know, the first job we sold was about a, right. right next to a river. Yep. It was about a $30,000 job. We thought we had the world by the tail. I mean, I was, I remember coming home from getting a signed contract and getting a third of the money. So it was like a $10,000 check. And I had it in my pocket right here. And I bet I looked at that check 10 times on the way home, making sure, it's making still sure it was still there. And Deb and I, my wife and I were um, on that same road. We don't go in that area very much. We've, we've done very little work in that area, to be really honest with you, because we've really marketed elsewhere. But that was the first one we sold, Hicktown, Pennsylvania. We went by there about a month ago and we went right by that roof and that roof still looks great. And I told Deb, I said, you know, like it just really took me back. I felt like a millionaire you know, driving that road home with that first $10,000 check. But that's really where it kicked it off. You and I would go down there, we work. It took us a week and a half to do the job because we only had one pressure washer. It was a restoration system over a commercial roof. We only had one pressure washer. One of us would go up on the roof and we would wash and the other one would go fishing. You know, humble beginnings. (laughs) That's how we started. What a bunch of rednecks. Yeah, we're still rednecks. (laughs) Yeah, that's where it started. You know, we've seen the potential in that first job and realized that- What our mentor told us was reality because we realized, hey, the money was good. What he said wasn't just a bunch of words uh, to entice us to get into business. It was uh, it was real. Little shout out to Simon. Appreciate you. He's still a good friend of ours. I would say our first year or two, especially in our own business, we figured out really quickly that the time that we spent going out selling jobs and not getting those jobs was really, really frustrating. And I call that deadheading. I mean, you're going out, you're putting fuel in your truck. You're spending a lot of time away from your family and then you don't get that job. You know, we, I've almost exclusively sold retail. You're pitching your product, you're pitching, your best version of yourself and you're hoping that Mr. Building Owner says, Hey, I want to go ahead with it. And when they choose somebody else like that, that, that hurt. You know, and there was some really nice jobs to start with that Mr. Building owner would tell tell us all the time. I I, I remember calling you up and I'd be like, oh, we got this one. He loves our system. He loves our products. And what I didn't understand back then was that people aren't loyal to products. People are loyal to people. And, you know, I would follow back up within a, a week or two or three. And he would say, hey, we went with somebody else. And I'm like, I hated that frustration of... We didn't get the job. We didn't get the job. What did I do wrong? I thought we were going to get that one. You know, we just spent a lot of time deadheading, even though that first year we sold enough work that we made more money than what we would have made working for somebody else. And, you know, we probably didn't work more than three days a week. Oh, we left a lot out there, but we left a lot out there. If you're listening, you can probably relate to that story. Most of us get started. We don't get the amount of, of work that we think we should get or deserve or, or whatever it is. We took a good hard look in the mirror and said, man, we need to get better. We were always told that growing up that, man, you guys could sell ice to an Eskimo. But the truth is, when rubber hits the road and you're out there, you know, the fastest talker doesn't always win. He'll win a few, but he doesn't always win. Some of the things that we learned the hard way over the next couple of years doubled and tripled our sales and we learned how to work with people an amateur thinks it's all about his product and a professional knows it's all about the people and those are the things that we want to share with you guys on this podcast is some of those things that we've learned over the past 10 years in working with people and being able to sell you know really large projects and get an extreme loyalty from those customers what is it that you know you guys can do the same thing i mean obviously i think the first thing is to realize and diagnose the struggles and realize that, you know, most of the struggle comes back to yourself more than people tend to want to blame people. People tend to want to blame circumstances. People tend to want to blame their area. Maybe they want to blame, the economy or whatever. But most of the times, the struggle really comes back on our own shoulders. And we just have to realize that, hey, we have to skill up. We have to get better. You know, we have to reach out, go to programs or listen to podcasts or whatever it is that we can do to help ourselves skill up and learn yep. the things that we don't know. Right. Um, the very reason that you are where you are right now are because of the things that you know. When we realized that, um, we went to a program that I think was a three day event and came out of that program and really um, got a new perspective on on relationships over products and started implementing and, and applying that into our business. And, you know, our sales went from 20%, to 30% um, up to, you know, as high as 75%. It made all the difference. I mean, we spent a couple thousand dollars going to that program, but that paid itself again and again and again, and it's still paying us back today. Right. You got to get the foundation right. If the foundation ain't right, You're going to be frustrated all the time because you have the best product and that's where everybody lives. You know, I got the best product. I got the the last guy. Well, I always tell our management team, I always tell them, look, don't make it about the product. I mean, it is important to have a good quality product, of course. But that's what the last guy guy said to And you have to maybe do some demos or whatever it is that you can do to demonstrate the quality of your product. But don't make it about that on and on and on. And so I always, you know, I always tell them, if you can make it about the individual, make it about what it is that they're looking for, show interest in their personal life, in their business, whatever it is. In our field, we get to go into these buildings, commercial buildings, and we get to actually see their facility. You know, when you walk in their office, you can show interest. You can walk in their business. You can show interest, get them talking about those kind of things, because that makes them comfortable with you. Yeah, when you actually show interest in them, what they're involved with, how long they've worked there, those kind of things. Cause I can almost guarantee you the last guy that walked in there didn't do that. Yeah, you gotta do it. It was about his product. If you want different results, and we're gonna dive into that a lot yeah. deeper. If you we're want different results, that, you I gotta say. do uh, you gotta do things differently. If you want different results, I'm wearing a shirt. It's called Wired Differently. Little shout out to Todd Saylor. He hooked me up with this shirt, so I wore it for him today. It's called Wired Differently. He's got a movement. It's called Wired Differently. And it truly is so true. You have to be wired differently if you want different results than the mass amount of people. Thanks again, guys. We just wanted to take a little bit of time to introduce ourselves. We look forward to coming to you with episode two where we're going to talk about why we feel the number one reason is small businesses fail. Thanks again for listening to Ethical Sales Podcast with the Raver Twins do us a huge favor we're giving away over thousand dollars in prizes during the podcast launch simply go to ethicalsales.com then leave us a review and a rating on apple Podcasts for a chance to win again just go to ethicalsales.com that would really help us spread this message again thanks for listening and see you on the next episode This episode was hosted by the Max Potential Podcast Network. Find more great shows at maxpotential.com.